Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Terry N., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 7th, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Bill's story on page 7, the first paragraph, starting with, my brother-in-law is a physician, and we're just reading that one paragraph. Today's readers are Anita J. for the 12 Steps, Mary G. for the 12 Traditions. Readers of the text are Harlan G., Katie G., and Naomi B. Our newcomer greeter is Reva P., and our host for the second hour is Deanna B. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, February 6th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,506. That's 12506. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, is 12,508. That's 12508. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside contributions outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita J. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you very much. Overeaters Anonymous' 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. And seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. Uh, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and, uh, and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening 
as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do this service, and I pass. Thank you, Anita J. I will now ask Mary G. to please read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Terry. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Number six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Number 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Number 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Mary G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in Bill's story on page seven, the first paragraph starting with my brother-in-law is a physician. And I will now ask Harlan G to get us started. Thank you very much, Carrie. Good morning. Thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called Belladonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. 
Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. Now, since we have begun Bill's story, we have talked about the fact that all the players in his life come into the tapestry here, and this is going to be where Dorothy Wilson, his sister, is married to Dr. Leonard Strong. Leonard Strong is a physician practicing in New York, and he liked Bill. He was one of the only people that didn't turn their back on Bill, no matter how drunk Bill got. And Leonard Strong is an osteopathic physician, as is Bill's mother. And Bill's mother and Bill's brother-in-law put him in the town's hospital in New York City. Is it odd or is it God? They debated whether or not to put him in Bellevue. They debated whether or not to put him in several of the other different sanitariums that had been recommended to them. But they decided to go for it and go for town's hospital. And he is going to go under the belladonna treatment. Belladonna is a sedative and a painkiller, and they're going to give it to him, and his brain is going to clear a bit. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise help much. But here is the, t- here's the ticket. We have been reading about, we have been studying about Bill going down and down and down. He is circling the drain. He is very near death. This is April of 1933. He has had a Delicious holiday period between Christmas and New Year's of 1932. He has been on a huge bender. People are fearing for his life. People are fearing for his sanity. April of 1933, he meets Dr. Silkworth. Of all the places he could have gone, he is going to meet Silky, and Silky is going to explain to him about the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind and we don't know if if uh, uh excuse me we do know that bill wasn't the first person he told this to but what we're going to see in the next days on vision for you we are going to see where bill goes on just self-knowledge because he doesn't have a solution to the problem yet silkworth doesn't have a solution to the problem he is telling him what is wrong with him the body and the mind we are not going to get to a solution for a while But like many of us, we are going to witness the hellacious result of Bill trying to control this, even though he knows what's wrong, he's going to try to control this on self-will, and he's going to diet with group support here for a while, and we're going to see where he goes on self-knowledge. Tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel, and with that I will pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Harlan G. Okay, so now is when we open it up for um, everybody else to share. And what we've been doing is, um, if you have shared in the past day or two, please um, allow other people to an opportunity so that everyone gets to share on this wonderful line that we have. So who would like to share? Melanie. Melanie. Leah. Lauren, Lauren N. I got Lauren N. Bigger Kathy. Sally A. Oh, Sally A. Who who was before Sally? Connie C. Uh, Con- Connie C. 
Lee H. Lee H. Sigrid F. Sigrid F. Okay, that's it. We got it. Woo! I did good today. <laughs> um, okay, so I have Melanie, I don't know, Lauren N., Sally A., Connie C., Lee H., and Sigrid F. So, okay, go ahead. Melanie, and I'm not sure I got your last initial. Melanie C.M. Okay, you're up. Okay. Thanks. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Melanie C.M. Um, compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. It's been a long time since I've had an opportunity to dial in live. So um, I appreciate everyone's service this morning. And this, this reading in particular speaks to me because I tried so many things um, to, you know, clear the compulsive eating, to clear the chemical reactions that I had. And, um, and certainly they worked, um, but they didn't work for long. And so um, you know, that's one thing that as I have developed allergies um, and reactions to certain certain foods, um, you know, I tried everything. I tried everything herbal. I just, I just tried everything to try and deal with it. And some of the things did help, and they do help. Um, but at the end of the day, the only thing, is, the only thing that um, was affected was my body. My mind was not affected. And so that is one of the realities that I have to accept every day is that this is a spiritual condition um, and a spiritual solution to it. So it's kind of a sobering, no pun intended, reality um, that helped me to feel free, to understand that no matter how many pills I took, no matter how many detoxes and all the other things, meditation camps and all the other things that I went to, I would still leave the same way. Um, because my mind was still the same, because I wasn't working the program. And it's particularly tempting right now for me to try and use something external, because I'm older and in a different situation, and coming out of a, a relapse from last year, um, I wasn't losing the amount of weight that I thought that I would, that I had in the past. And it's not, I'm realizing it's not all about um, losing the weight, um, and just digging a little deeper and understanding um, you know, what God needs me to do, where he needs me to be so that I can um, so that I can be of maximum service. So I so appreciate this reading this morning because it's a reminder of the things that I did, um, the chemical things that I tried to do to alter my body. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you very much, Melanie C.M. <clears throat> Lauren Ann, you're up, followed by Sally A. Good morning, Kelly. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you very much. This is Lauren Ann, compulsive operator, sugar addict from New York. I can so relate to where um, where Bill is. Um, not that I've necessarily been hospitalized, um, but oh my God, I've done almost everything else plus. Um, Circling the drain is where I was at 280-something, 87 pounds at the height of 5'1", morbidly obese. The first thing I've ever done where I qualified for surgery within minutes um, for the insurance company. So it's the first thing that I got 100% right in my life. Uh, not that I wanted to be in that place, but that's where I was. And thank God, um, 
I've found this solution because I no longer have to go back there. I no longer have to be in that miserable place of waking up in the morning and feeling horrible about what I ate the night before or do I have any more to have in my house under my bed, in, in my nightstand, in my pocketbook, and hidden throughout the house because God forbid someone else finds it. Thank God I found this program and I can live every day happy, joyous, and free without the obsession of food and what I'm going to eat next in my head. I can take a drive in the car and not think, where am I going to stop and get my fix along the way? Uh, just absolutely incredible. Incredible to me to think that that part of my life for today is over. For today is over. And I hold on very tight to this program and to all of you to make sure that I stay happy, joyous, and free because I know I could slip right back into that. As someone on the line says, I turn into a pumpkin every every night at 12.01. And at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. New York time, I'm... Thank God, remember that I'm happy, joyous, and free and can stay there. So, thank you all for being there, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Sally A., you're up, followed by Connie C. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Sally A. I'm from New Jersey, and I can't wait for those promises. I, I feel them coming on slowly, but still not quite there yet. Um, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. You know, when I first came to program and I heard the term insanity, I got so, like, frustrated and insulted, and I just never saw it that way. You know, I never thought that I had a mental illness. Like, to me, I've I've come to understand, for me, my addiction's like a mental illness, very similar to a mental illness, and because it just doesn't make sense, like, you know, my very soul does not want to be an addict. I don't want to act out the way I have. I never really wanted to, but it was my my only way of coping for so many years with my feelings. And so I like where he says, you know, this kind doctor explained it to him because you have, for me, it has to be a very gentle awakening, you know, that, that this is an illness, you know, this is a disease, a mental twist, a mental disease, a mental illness, however you want to call it. You know, it's it's a malady. And the good news is, you know, we'll find out, I guess, later about the spiritual solution. But I had to remind myself to be very gentle because with my kind of illness, the more I beat myself up, the more I want to eat. So um, it just helps a lot to, to be, you know, reminded of that. I, I spend a lot of time with my puppy. And uh, she never eats compulsively. Like, she she's content... I don't know, like she's content with just sitting next to me, feeling loved, feeling nurtured. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I could learn from animals, <laughs> not just humans, but even from animals, you know, that they eat to survive. They, you know, they don't use any substance to change how they feel necessarily. So um, I sometimes have to keep it simple and, and just be kind and, and loving and um, 
take it one day at a time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sally A. Next, we have Connie C, followed by Lee H. Connie C, we can't hear you. Star one to unmute. Hey, I'm sorry about that. This is Connie C in Tennessee, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. And um, this paragraph speaks to me in so many ways today. My brother-in-law is also a physician and someone that um, there's been amends with because, gosh, in my in my 20s, he was rescuing me from all the crazy things I kept getting myself into. And in my 30s, he was part of sending me away to um, treatment and getting me into OA for bulimia back then. And, and then, uh, of course, I came out and I started pushing it again. And then it was all the pre-diabetes world in my 40s and then by my 50s, he was just frustrated but never gave up. And um, the best of all part, I met a kind doctor. In the last of this paragraph, for me, it happened to be um, something I couldn't see coming. I just attribute it all to my higher power because um, my son had finished up treatment um, for several years at St. Jude. He was able to travel, and my counselor said, you need a place to go to work on trauma. For highly functioning people, that was um, a setup I've realized later. And um, while I was there, it happened to be a nun at this place that kept pointing me back. And I think about how seven months ago, um, actually it's eight months ago I was there, I didn't want it to be addiction. And it's the place she kept pointing back to over and over. And I wanted it to be trauma. I wanted it to be that I was a victim. I wanted it to be what the world was doing for me. And now I sit here today traveling. I've been traveling for days. I've got my big blender with me and my protein powders. I weigh 65 pounds less. I'm so full of joy. And I think I might not have wanted it to be this, but somewhere along the way, um, the sponsor came, vision came. And I sit here and I think those years weren't wasted. I'm 56 years old, and I am so much more grateful for this abstinence. Um, then I could be at 33. It just wasn't my time yet. So I think about all these people, um, the brother-in-law and all these people I put through so much that worried about me and that now because of this book that I was not shown um, 23 years ago, I relayed in and I cry most days because it's just the most beautiful thing, but it's also been hell and I, I, um, I'm a human. So I'm just making my way through it. But I'm so grateful for all of y'all. So thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Connie C. Next up, we have Lee H. Followed by Sigrid F. Lee H., we can't hear you. Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Lee H. from Tennessee. Thank you for your service this morning and allowing me to speak. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, I've just appreciated these readings the last few days about Bill. And it, I'm learning. I've been in this program, I guess, a little over a year. And I'm just, this is like the second time, I think, that I've been listening to Bill's story on the line. And I know that I need to feel the pain. I need to keep remembering. I 
somebody told me a long time ago, they said, you know, I have a remembering disease. And I guess that's the mental blank spot that we that's in this material as well. It's it's just that I forget and I need to remember, I need to remember how painful it was right before I came into this program, how miserable I was. Now I wasn't, you know, morbidly obese, but I I just was miserable physically and then I learned about the mental twist and it's humbling, and and you know I was on my knees just saying, what do I do? Because I'm tired of being on a treadmill, of losing the weight and then exercising and and then gaining it back. And um, so I'm just really grateful for Bill's story, and I'm humbled by just the way his higher power was guiding him and 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 the, putting people in his life that he could, you know, finally get clear and 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 then just, you know, be lifted into that that new world of the of the spirit. And um I'm experiencing that now. I, I know though that, that there are times when I can get in that in between place and forget. And then I'm back where I started. I don't ever want to go back to that like other people say, I don't want to go back. And I have to keep working these steps. So I'm just really grateful for for where we are in the book this morning. So thanks so much for letting me share. Thanks for sharing, Lee H. Uh, Next up, we have Sigrid F. Hi, this is Sigrid F., recovered in Florida. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sure can. So what struck me... First of all, I want to say thank you for everyone on their service and thank you for the group conscience asking for people who haven't spoken in a couple of days. It's making the meeting feel so much bigger, so much more like the 300-person meeting that we all know it is. So thank you. What struck me about this paragraph is it's the first time that Bill sees this concept of mind and body, that it's not just about his will or his inability to control, he doesn't see it yet, but it's the first time that he, that he's introduced to this concept. And I think that's really important because I think that's the beginning of his potential um, recovery that's to come. So I wanted to point that out. I, last night I went back and I was reading through a number of these paragraphs and um it struck me that this is me, you know, well, not the first time that it struck me that it's me, but it's me. It's this constant spiral down thinking I can do it and I can control it and it's my will and it's my fault. Um, And yet looking at it every time, each paragraph, you think it's the bottom. You think it's got to be the bottom. It's going to go up from here and it doesn't. And it, it, to come, you know, I know we're not quite there yet, but to come is finally pulling the pieces together and so much hope. But we have to see that spiral down in Bill and unfortunately in ourselves until we're ready to listen to the steps and to make the change to this way of life. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Sigrid F. Okay, so if you just got on the line, or you came in late, we are reading in Bill's story on page seven, 
the first paragraph, starting with my brother-in-law is a physician. We're also um, asking that if you've shared in the last day or two, that you allow others a chance to share. Um, it's really making for a great variety of voices on this line, and I agree. I, I love it. Um, and that please to keep your comments focused on the paragraph that we are discussing. Okay, so who else would like to share? If you say your name, let me repeat it back, and then we'll move on, because that worked really good the last time. Okay, go ahead. Katie Holsey in Morgan Hill, California. Katie from Boston. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody C in California. Nicole C. Nicole C. Thank you. Nicole yes. C. I got Katie G. Marie. 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 Jody E. Jody. Jody. Jody E. Q. Got it. <laughs> uh, okay. Go ahead. Robin M. Robin M. Alisa H. Alisa. Was it Alisa? Alisa J. Alisa J. Okay, we're going to stop there. Um, I have Nicole C., Katie G., Lori A., Jody E.Q., Robin M., and Elisa J. Okay, go ahead, Nicole C. Thank you. This is Nicole C. I'm from Morgan Hill, California. I'm a compulsive overeater. I really enjoy all the comments shared so far, and I agree the meeting has definitely been feeling a lot more full, and I've really enjoyed hearing from a lot of different people um, since the change. So thanks for whoever got together and decided that. Um, the, the last sentence that we read, where it says, best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. I really um, you know, feel it to my heart, to my core when I read that, because I can really, really beat myself up about this, you know, and um, I did for, for all of my life until I got to OA. You know, and my mind was either um, having a few short seconds of pleasure in the food or the rest of the day beating myself up um, for having been in the food, um, beating myself up for being overweight, beating myself up for not being able to fit in the clothes that I was trying on, you know, just constantly whipping myself, whipping myself, whipping myself mentally. And, you know, my, my sponsor shares with me today that that's, that's part of this illness, you know, and, and um, that I've, I've been seriously ill, both bodily and mentally. And that's so true for me. I, I really relate to that. I agree with that. I believe that. I feel that. Um, my my body just wasn't overweight and I wasn't just making myself sick with the food and I didn't just have the phenomenon of craving. Like I had been mentally ill, mentally sick. And um, I have to have the spiritual experience for that part. I don't want to just be skinny and, and be restless, irritable, and discontent. I don't want to live like that. That's That's really no way for anybody to live that has this illness. It's just I don't wish that on anybody. Um, and the top part that we read about the hospital, 
when I first came in and got rid of all the garbage that I was eating and I stopped eating it, I was gently reminded by my sponsor that I needed to treat myself as though I had been hospitalized. The headaches, the getting sick, the, I mean, I was detoxing. I was detoxing a lot of stuff. And um, all that stuff I was putting in my body took its toll and my body had to get used to it. And so I had to be very gentle with myself. So I just want to share that for anyone that's new that, it's really, really difficult to withdraw from sugar and flour and all that stuff that we've been putting in our body. It's totally normal if you feel like you can't go to work. I, I couldn't. And um, I don't have to live like that anymore. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Nicole C. Next up, we have Katie G, followed by Lori A. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, <clears throat> recovered in Boston. And yeah, I mean, I was... I was placed in a nationally known hospital for eating disorders, and um, I had a psychiatrist tell me, you can't live without clonopin, Bar, Meridia, Ativan, and, and medication is an outside issue, and I am not addressing it, but what I'm trying to address is where I fell short, so I just got medicated, and I was told, my, my mental problem is it, and if we can just medicate you, then you can safely manage sugar, flour, quantities, exercise, um, laxatives, all these things you can start using again. And that was not true because what I found is every time, no matter what medication I was given, when I put flour, sugar, and for me, excess quantities, um, too much exercise, laxatives, Ipecac, I, it doesn't matter what medication I'm on. It ignites this phenomenon of craving. My body is different. And, you know, I pasted the, um, the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that I'm allergic to in the front of my big book because I don't ever want to wonder, am I abstinent? I don't ever want to wonder, gee, I'm living in step 10, 11, and 12, but, you know, maybe I can start using that food again because I'm a real compulsive overeater. My body is never going to go back. And, and for me, step one and surrender today is means I have no power, no choice, and no control around these foods. I am seriously ill. It's not a moral issue. And this isn't a self-help program. This is about putting the food down and then dealing with the problem of abstinence, which feels like I am in a prison, like I am playing bumper cars with no skin on. And anything anyone says to me is a reason to like break down, right? Because it's all about me. Even if you look at me funny, it's because you have a, a stomach ache. I have self-centered fear that assumes that you're laughing at me, right? But I have to get through the steps, right? So I get the physical abstinence and then I straighten out. Thank you, God, these, these steps. And the worst part about this disease is that this self-knowledge never fixed me. Sitting on a line with 500, 400 people, sitting in a room with those many people, having a sponsor never fixed me. What fixed me is this program of action. I have to understand, yes, I have to understand what's going on with me bodily and mentally, right? But that is my instigator to get up in the morning and work this program each and every day like my life depended on it because if you are as low bottom as me, it does, you know, and there is no bottom. There is no bottom. When I wanted to get out of my bottom, I had to stop digging. And thank you, God, I'm not digging today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next up, we have Lori A, followed by Jody EQ. <clears throat> 
Hi, everybody. My name is Lori A. from London, Ontario, Canada, and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater <clears throat> with a scratch in my throat. Excuse me. Um, I have been listening to you guys since about the middle of November, and over the last month, I have um, begun to be more honest with myself with regards to the fact that I have a problem with nighttime eating. I never thought I had a problem with nighttime eating, um, but my higher power, my sponsor, and um, I guess the universe um, has revealed that to me. And I actually had a whole day of abstinence yesterday for the first time in about a month. And I feel so happy about that. Um, so thank you, God. And um, what I really like about this paragraph in particular is how they repeat, you know, the mental and physical a couple of times, you know. In the first sentence, they say, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. And then at the end, it says, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally. I know for me, I need to remember those two facets of my disease if I am going to stay abstinent. I have, like like many have said on this um, um program, program, meeting, whatever you want to call it, um, I need to get physically abstinent first because, you know, I must put the, fo- the food down just like um, Dr. Silkworth told Bill and just like all of you have told me, I have to put the food down first and then after that, I really have to take care of that mental obsession because if I don't, I know I'm going to go back to the food because I've experienced that in the last week. Um so I really have to be careful of that mental obsession, too. Um, and if I don't, that's what's going to bring me right back to the food. So I know I deal with that through the steps. I know I deal with that through my higher power. I know I deal with that through um, calling you people. I know I deal with that with the big book. I know I deal with that with the... Uh, literature and all the other tools of the program and the steps of the program. So I am just learning here again. I feel like a, a newcomer again, and I, and I am. Um, so I just want to thank everybody for their service, and thank you all for this wonderful meeting, and I continue to learn every day. So thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lori A. Next up, we have Jody EQ, followed by Robin M. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jody EQ, and I'm a gratefully recovered anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive overeater. Thank you. So my kind doctor was not actually a doctor, but it was all of you and other groups that understand this physical allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. That wasn't Uh, True for me, when I first came into OA, I did not hear this message. I heard the message that all you need to do is work the 12 steps and the food will take care of itself. You don't have to abstain from any particular foods. That was the message that was being uh, given. And it made me a little crazy because uh, that was not true for me. I do have a bodily illness. I do have an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind. 
So not only do I have to get abstinent and stay abstinent, but I have to work these 12 steps so as not to pick up again. Because as a real compulsive overeater, I will pick up again, even when my body is cleared of the alcoholic substances, which for me are sugar, flour, and caffeine, primarily, and grains, I'm finding. So um, thank God I eventually found people who use this book, who understand this allergy of the body. And once these alcoholic foods are out of my system, my brain does clear. It's really remarkable. And I begin to see things about my life that are dysfunctional. And I can begin to make better choices. But as I said before, if I don't stay in sit spiritual condition, through working the 12 steps, carrying this message to others, I'm doomed to return to that, that way of life. The promises go away, and I'm, I'm back where I started. So thank you so much for being here and for carrying this clear message that, yes, we do have a physical illness, and we must treat the illness by being abstinent entirely. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E.Q. Next up, we have Robin M., followed by Elisa J. Hi, good morning, everybody. Robin M. from Georgia, recovered compulsive eater. I'm actually in sunny California, even though it's early um, this morning. Thank you, everybody, for your service. And um, I really love this paragraph. Um, it talks about, and this is how I relate it to me, but it talks about you know, he, he underwent the belladonna treatment. His brain started clearing. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped. For me, you know, I, I sometimes would put exercise as my God, and I would, you know, make sure that exercise would get in my day just because I, I, just, I think I worshipped it more than I did my higher power in the steps of this program, and I felt that that was just the really strong component of, of my recovery today and um and I had to learn through um you know not not making it and and relapse that uh, exercise is not my god that um I have to put the steps first and this program first and certainly exercises can be a, a tool of mine to to help me feel better and and feel stronger but I can't put it first um, the other part of this paragraph I like, it talks about that he met the kind doctor who said, though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And I think this is neat where it, I think uh, the doctor starts introducing the, the, the disease concept to, to Bill. And, and for me, I had, to, I had to realize, you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm not a failure. I'm a sick person. I've got a disease, and I and I need help. And um, and I just think, you know, it says that you know um, he best of all, you know, he met that kind doctor that started telling him that he was not a bad person, you know, though selfish and foolish, because that's what this disease makes me today. 
Um, you know, if I'm, I'm actively in the disease, I'm definitely very selfish and, and foolish. Um, but that he started learning that, that he, he was sick, you know, bodily and mentally. And, um, and today, I, I don't have to be selfish. I can put other people first. I can put, you know, my main goal today is to be of maximum service to mankind and to God. And, and I have to find out how to do that through these steps and through the program and through all of you lovely people that, that are my guides and that have gone before me and are recovered and can help me today, every day, one day at a time, understand, you know, that, that this program works and it's a roadmap for me. And I'm really grateful today. Um, it's taken me a long time to get here. Um, just for today, though, um, each day I have to start over and, and work this program um, to the maximum ability that I have. Uh, I, I like what people say, you know, with at, uh, at work it with your hair on fire. And, you know, for me, that means putting this program first in every situation. Um, Hi. And not let my work, and not let my work, and not let my other parts of my beautiful life take over because uh, God's given me these gifts and, and abundance today. Um, so thank you, and thank you for your service. I pass. Thank you, Robin M. Uh, Elisa J., you're up. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. Thank you for this wonderful meeting. Um, my name is Alita J. I am a compulsive overeater in Wisconsin. Um, my The career of compulsive overeating started in my life at the age of 13. However, I think we lost you. We can't hear you, Elisa. Elisa, we lost you. I think we lost you. Can you all hear me? <laughs> we can Hello? hear you. We okay, can hear great. you. We can hear you. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, Elisa. We can't hear you. Um, unfortunately, assuming you're still talking. Uh, okay. So. If you come back on, maybe you can share after. We're going to take a few more people because I don't know what else to do here. Um, so if you did join us late, just a quick reminder, we're on page seven in Bill's story, the first paragraph, my brother-in-law is a physician. That's the paragraph we're sharing on. If you can keep your comments to that, we have time for a few more names I'll take. If you say your name once, I'll repeat it back. And we're still looking for people who haven't shared in the last day or two. Vasa oh. Vasa O. Nancy L. Nancy L. Amy. Anita J. Amy and Anita. Let's go with that and see where we, how we land. Vasa O, go ahead. Okay. Thank you, uh, Terry, for your service. I'm Vasa. Grateful, grateful, recover, compulsive Ovita, calling from uh, Florida. And it, oh, thank you, everybody, for sharing your, your stories. 
And uh, I never, never want to forget where I came from. My, my eating career started when I was 15. I always said 15, but really it was 14 years old when we escaped from my country, from Macedonia to Greece. I, I believe, believe I was born with a disease, but, you know, being poor, not having enough food over there, it didn't really blossom for me till I was like 14, 15 years old in Greece, and then we came in America. And that was the beginning of my life. Uh, I had gained 20 pounds in one month, and my girlfriends told me that was, you know, we were looking through magazines, like uh, models and everything, and that was not accepted, and that's when I developed the body image, you know, and I started dieting, and from then till I was 41 years old till I came to, till I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous and the big book and the 12 steps, and I did come for the vanity. Thank you, God, my higher power. I stayed for the sanity. I thought I was just going to lose the weight and just go home and be happy, and I probably would have gone back to into eating. But anyways, this was my detox, you know. Bill went to the hospital. For me, when I came to OA, I had no clue. I, I didn't know anything about the allergy, and I didn't know anything about the, the mental obsession. I mean, yes, my, I, now looking back, of course, the mental obsession always took me back to the food, you know. So this was my detox and what I heard, you know, to put the food out, down. And my food was the toxic foods and the, and the sugar and the flour. And, of course, and later on, you know, the coffee. I started cleaning up, you know, as I was going along. But number one, I had to put the, the, um, the alcoholic foods the, for me with the sugars and the flour and this is where I did my detoxing, you know, and uh, and I and I'm grateful that I. This is such a gift. It's such a beautiful program. I would be dead today if I didn't find, you know, this program. So what I heard was put the food down, um, uh, food down, clean house, and help others. And and that's why I do what I do. I've been in recovery for 33 years. It's by the grace of God, my higher power, and doing what I'm doing because I'm, this is the only thing that's working, and I would be dead if I was not doing what I'm doing. Thank you for letting me share that, Pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Next up, we have Nancy L. We have three people left in only five minutes, so I'm not sure we'll get to everybody. Nancy L., you're up. All right. I'll keep it short. Thanks. This is Nancy L. from Arizona, recovered uh, compulsive overeater. I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. Boy, I'll tell you, if someone were to have told me that, I would have said, uh, I'm sorry, you're mistaking. It's a body problem. It's a food problem. My mind is fine. Thank you very much. Um, But, you know, I had to stop and take a look, and I didn't until I got into the rooms. But for years, I I didn't do OA. I did pay and weigh. You know, I could have purchase one of those franchises. I, I went for years and years, sometimes, you know, like $10 a week and get on the scale. And, you know, so every Saturday morning, <clears throat> there I was in line, ready to pay and weigh. But what happened during the week was starvation, 
uh, over exercise, laxatives, I mean, really working hard. But the binge the night before never failed. Friday night, the night before weigh-in, I'm just eating my face up. Now, if that's not a mental problem, I don't know what is. But back then, it, it was just all about denial. You know, just, just, just let me take care of this. Thank you very much. I'm fine. But I realize now how unfine I was. I'm so grateful for the 12 steps and this meeting and, and the other meetings that I, I started going to. Whether I saw recovery or not, I'm still glad I went. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy L. Next up, we have Amy. I didn't get your last initial and possibly followed by Anita. Go ahead, Amy. <laughs> Good morning. It's Amy Kay from New York. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive over here. Here, um, and very glad to be on the line this morning. Best of all, it says. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally, bodily and mentally. And I, I'm glad to say this morning that I do feel <laughs> best of all. I feel that gratitude uh, to know, and I know that knowing isn't enough, but I do know that I do have this two-fold disease and that I have been seriously ill and that I have to take this really seriously and do the work that it takes to recover one day at a time. Um, thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, Amy Kay. All right, Anita J, you have two whole minutes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, thank you so much. You're doing a good job, Ted. Um, I'm recovered out here in Massachusetts, Anita J, and I wanted to, I thought something Harlan sparked. It's about he could have gone here, he could have gone there, but no, he ended up in the town's hospital. And when I moved to Massachusetts, when we moved, this wasn't the, the town that we ended up in wasn't the town I wanted. And um, we, we ended up in, the t in, in a particular town. And we didn't end up in the house I wanted. Now, why does this relate to my first OA meeting in 1978? It's because the person that I lived next door to um, went to a temple, and that temple had had a meeting. And the point is, I got pointed. I got pointed to it. Did I did I get rocketed? That took thirty six more years, but I got a lot. It got me in the right direction, and um, began the journey of becoming a real human being instead of this play person. So uh, I found throughout my life, so often when I took the, the, everything by the horn, by my doing it, it didn't work out well. It didn't work out well in um, uh, 
sorority experiences. It didn't. It didn't work out in theater. It it didn't work out in a lot of things. And when I have now let the person who was supposed to be in charge in the first place, things are so much easier and simpler. And I even finding this place wasn't by my own choice. This place, meaning vision, that wasn't my choice. I am just very grateful that in spite of myself, I'm recovered today. With that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Thank you to everyone who shared. What a wonderful meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 12,518. That's 12518. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Katie? Katie G., we can't hear you. Katie? <laughs> Is that Katie? Can you all hear me? Yeah. We can hear you. Yes. We can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Katie, are you there? I'm Katie, sorry. This is Katie. Read I can read it. No, I'm a hundred. Okay. Okay, we heard you, and now you're gone. Okay, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only... I'm right way. here. I, oh, okay. I'm right here. Our okay. book is meant to be suggestive. I, I don't know what happened. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.